Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. Well. Yeah, I like to have options too, and that's great advice. I usually start by starting with a lot of different options, and I do an initial vetting process where I sit down with uh, you know the sales agent, the owner of the factory, and just talk about you know, hey, where are your, you know, tell me about your, your factory, tell me about your certifications, tell me about your product and your production process and, and mm -hmm. all of those things. And I try to see if they can meet my price for a stock product that they right. already have and how much they're willing to differentiate or work with me. And I kind of vet them that way. And that's those factories that do well in those initial discussions are the ones that I'll move forward with for a sample. And so mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a little bit, it saves me some time versus having all six of them create a sample when I haven't gone through that first round of vetting. So I love, I love the advice that you gave there. It's so important. And, and the sampling process is so important as well as having options. So speaking of, you know, of course, Gemba is the answer to every question here, but <laughs> uh, when, at what point do you recommend working with a company like Gemba versus going it alone or you know, going, hiring out, hiring freelancers, that kind of thing. Um, I, you know, that's a great question. Um, I, I think it's going to depend on the complexity of the product and what you're trying to do. Um, I mean, to me, my, my thought process is just like a business owner or entrepreneur is if it's not my expertise, hire it out. So, if it's not your expertise to do whatever you're trying to do with the product, hire that out. Um, you can try and become an expert overnight with all the resources like Google and everything else that's out there. But in reality, there's someone out there that, again, if, if time is your most valuable asset, which is my firm belief, um, where can you be spending your time elsewhere in your business or your product that is, is something that you actually are, you know, some of your core strengths and the other part of it that, you know, actually building the product or creating the collateral, if you're not technical in that sense, go hire someone to do that. Um, which again, it's just, it's just going to drive, it's going to drive everything forward at a much more efficient and, and faster pace. Yeah, that's definitely it. I mean, we could get stuck doing every step of the business ourselves, but if, uh, if we want to build our, our business at a scale and, and especially, you know, the product business is a scale game. Right. You know, you do need to scale. You can have one really great product and make good money, but ultimately you need to, to keep yeah. going in order to scale and cover your overhead expenses and stuff, unless you're going to make up for it with, with extreme volume, you know, of yeah. a really great product. But yeah, I mean, so speaking of scaling, what do you <laughs> recommend for brands that want to scale their, their business with good, with new products? Like what is... Do you have any recommendations for best practices for scaling and how to look at that? Yeah, I think there's really two, two approaches to um, that question. There's one, which is, I want to be very particular about my brand and I'm only going to set out products that, you know, I associate with my brand. And I think that's where, you know, doing the research and seeing what else is out there, um, can help give you inspiration on what that product could be and then looking at data to validate it. And then there's the other approach where it's just like, I just want to create products and get them out there as fast as possible, regardless of what 
they are. Um, and they don't have to be associated like just in the, you know, workout space or just in the apparel space. Like I can just put out whatever I think is going to sell. And in that case, um, it's just a much harder, I think it's much harder to execute because you're going to need expertise across a variety of different niches, which again, you can hire for, um, but it, it, it can be more complicated in that sense because you're not really focused on one thing. So um, either way, I think the, the best thing you can do is look into, you know, tools or, or look into services that can help with the research side of things, um, help you validate what you're going on, then, then use, you know, some sort of, some sort of uh, qualitative analysis, which is kind of like the, the part that isn't going to be in the data um, to really understand like where the design is going to head and what the product inspiration really is uh, to tell the story with the product. So, you know, again, what, what's the, what's the end goal of what you're trying to solve? What's out there in the market already? What are you going to change about it? Or what are you going to make better about it? And how do you, how do you look at reviews of what currently is out there and engineer or, or create what, what is going to fix those problems um, to make an awesome product? Awesome. Good advice. So what do you think makes the right manufacturer <laughs> for your product? So when you're looking and vetting your suppliers and looking at different manufacturers and trying to make a decision on one, what do you think is the most important, are the most important things to pay attention to? Yeah. Um, another great question. So again, this is going to be very dependent on um, what kind of product you're baking. Um, there's certain categories or certain materials that, you know, there's only going to be a certain subset of factories that are going to be good, good, good uh, partners for you. Like if you're talking about baby products or, or FDA regulated products, your, your search gets much more narrow once you start putting in those types of requirements. So step one would be to understand that your product requirements from a regulatory perspective or from the materials perspective and narrow your search from there first, because you're going to filter out a ton of, ton of noise that isn't going to be relevant to what you're doing. And then step two, I think is, you know, looking at their capacity and understanding where you can go at scale with this factory. Um, if you're doing injection molding, you're going to want to understand, you know, at what point the mold will break at what point the mold uh, gets out of capacity or what the capacity is per month of that mold. So you can put that into your financial forecast. And then I think, you know, so that's kind of, again, the hard requirements, more of the operational requirements. Um, and then I think, you know, all of the documentation on audits and everything is going to also narrow it down because there's only going to be a certain amount of factories that have the proper documentation that is again required for not just the product, but from a safety or regulatory perspective, there's a lot that, that just don't do it. And that's a decision that they make. And maybe that's just where they are as a, as a factory, but having all those things in order, I think will narrow the search down a lot. And then once you've done that search again, from afar, my recommendation is always to have someone physically go there and, and, and be your eyes and ears on the ground to truly vet who it is. I think a mm -hmm. lot of, I think a lot of people who, you know, maybe are just starting out or, or even have started out and been successful undervalue the relationship that they're, that their manufacturers play in this, in this equation. I mean, outside of your customers, they're probably your, your second most important asset to the team. They're the ones yeah. that are making your product. 
um, the customers buy and give you feedback and help you iterate on your product. Manufacturers have to be bought into that as well. And so I would say like building the relationship, a really strong relationship that's beneficial on both sides, having really good communication um, with your factories after you've done all that vetting and then having someone who can physically be there to show that you're taking it serious too, I think is just really important throughout this process. And again, they're going to start treating you different. You know, if you're the, if you're the, if you're the company that goes and visits them every month and, you know, has dinner and focuses not just on the business, but treats them like humans, like they are, um, come, come Chinese new year time or come, you know, prioritization time on the, on the production line, they may, they may choose to work with you more than one of their big guns because look, you treat them better. So, um, you know, money talks, it goes a long way, but it's not all of it. So that's, that's at least what I believe. <laughs> I absolutely love that advice. I can't, I can't say enough how valuable your partnership, it's a partnership. Really, your manufacturer is your partner in this business. And I completely agree. You know, if you can, I realize right now it's yeah, not now easy. It's, crazy. <laughs> it's not easy. And and they know that too. You know, I'd be surprised. I, they all a lot of them have Zoom now. I mean, a lot, a lot are doing the things that you need to be doing in this, you know, remote type of work. Yeah. Um, all over yeah. the world. It's not just in China. I mean, all over the world, people are starting to adopt this new, you know, business sense where they need to be on on virtual calls and stuff like that. So right you know, that might be part of your criteria too, is are, are, there willing, are they willing to hop on a Zoom call and talk to you and meet you? Like yeah. if they aren't, then maybe you might want to think twice about working with someone who won't hop on a call with you, right? I, I don't yeah. know, that, that's just up to you. But um, I would want to meet someone that I'm going to be spending that kind of money with, just my personal opinion. Yeah, <laughs> I completely agree. And, you know, I like to always, I like to visit. And if I can't visit, then we always get on calls. But um I, I like to remind them that I can't wait to visit because yeah. I want them to know that the relationship means something to me and that I value what they bring to the table and their input and everything. And to me, it's more of like, how are we working together, you know, yeah. to, to make this, to make this work. So yeah. love that advice. All right. I have one more question about manufacturers. This is sure. a tough one. Okay. <laughs> What do you recommend when you have a product that requires multiple manufacturers? How do you navigate that? <laughs> um, in what sense do you mean? So like, for example, we have, we have a packaging factory that we work with or a few packaging factories that we work with. So you could say technically like the assembly factory and the packaging factory are two different factories. Um, if you're talking about just like in a general sense, like what does it mean to have a diversified supply chain where you have, you know, maybe an injection molding factory that does all the, you know, plastic work and you have an electronics factory that does all of the, you know, hardware support for that. Like, how does that, how does that work into the equation? Yeah. I think it's asking? very common for people to have packaging separately, right. but I think when you have, for example, a metal product that has a plastic component or like you were saying, an right. electronic component. I know, uh, you know, in our program, we teach that you should always have a lead factory that you're kind of working yep. with. And, and that should be the factory that is making the most important, uh, prominent components of your product. Um, and they should be kind of putting it together there and then packaging. That's okay. If, if they're not, you know, but 
that's that's what we focus on. But I'm just wondering if you have any other advice for people working with multiple factories. Yeah, I think um, you know if that goes into a if, if that's a if that's a you know the the type of product that you have, which are a lot of products out there that's going to require you know, multiple factories to be touching your product. I mean, even you'd be surprised again, even if you're doing a cut and sew product, like there's some mill or some factory that's probably going to make some component of your, of your product, like for jackets, mm -hmm. a jean jacket, if they have a zipper, zippers are made at different place, like YKK or something like that. Right. So um, I, I think the big thing is to, to just know who you're working with. Again, if you can just get the level of transparency from your assembly factory to understand who their partners are, not in a sense of I'm trying to undercut you, but just more of a sense of like, who do you work with? Um, and then understand their lead times because, and, 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 and try to understand like what their buying habits are and try to understand what their production timelines are. I mean, generally, speaking, your assembly factory is going to give you a, you know, 30 to 60 day lead time, depending on the type of product you have. If you get into electronics, it can be, I mean, again, if you're talking Bluetooth chips, you're talking like potentially months of lead time. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it really comes down to just knowing every part of the supply chain and how long the lead times are. I think that's like the biggest part of advice that I can give is just if you like the name of the game in product is to never run out of inventory. So you don't have unhappy customers. The second you do, it gets into the cycle of like, I'm panicking to get my product back on. I may have to think of like plan B for all of the stuff I've already had set up when in reality, it's just knowing what the lead times actually are for the products and, and the downstream operations that are maybe not what your assembly factory focuses on. Again, things like complex electronics, there's only a certain capacity that can be made because it's so complicated. So just know what that is ahead of time. So if you have to go into like twice a year ordering, and there's a six month lead time, like know that, know that you're going to have that, that, com that complicated operation and know what it means to have a six month lead time. Like you have to forecast out inventory for six months. So just know that up front and try and try and play that, that puzzle game of like, when do I need to order inventory? So I don't stock out versus how do I maximize my warehouse space? So I don't overpay. And it's hard. I mean, that's why this stuff is hard, but it, it's, a, it's something that again, if you don't have the expertise for hire someone to help you with that or hire or get, a, get, get software that can help you kind of forecast all those things out, build an Excel model, whatever it is, whatever it is for you to at least get to that point of like complete scale, just do whatever, do whatever it takes. That's awesome. Or just, or just do like me and drop a container in your backyard, right? <laughs> right. I mean, whatever it takes, man, like we've all been there. <laughs> yes. So Zach, I would love to get into the meat and potatoes of, cause this is, you know, once again, I'm always selfish on these shows. So I, but I don't care because I know <laughs> other people are learning too. But um, when you were, when you were starting and running your business, um, what were some of the personal challenges that you pushed through? And also, um, you know, how did you come up with your systems uh, for the business and how did you, you integrate them? Uh, especially with this like remote, remote workforce that so many companies are now, um, you know, transitioning into? Yeah, great questions. Um, I think starting out for me, not coming from, you know, the manufacturing space was learning as fast as I could um, what that actually meant. Um, the challenges that come with finding good suppliers and, and, you know, things go wrong and how to, how to make sure that when they do what, you know, what's your plan, what are you going to do next? And so kind of embodying that through the company and making sure that, you know, our customers know that if, if 
something does go wrong, we have their back and we're going to make sure that it, that it gets taken care of. Um, so that's, I think that was, you know, a learning experience early on that continues to be a learning experience for whoever gets into the space, regardless if you're a customer, if you're new to the space, just anticipate that things are going to going to go wrong. And it's just, how do you, how do you pull yourself up when that happens? Um, I'm sorry, what was the second half of the question? Uh, just uh, like systems and processes. So, you know, with, with the remote, yeah. remote workforce, which I'm sure a lot of your workforce is, you know, what does your day look like in terms of like coordination with them, you know, systems and processes in place that kind of help you yeah. stay organized? Um, you know, I, I think we've, we've built out a system uh, both internally and using some external software that helps kind of keep track of everything. Um, you're right. I mean, we're now operating, um, in, I think eight or nine different countries. And so making sure maybe even more than that now, including our engineering team. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, you know, from our perspective, we have a, we have a, an all hands meeting on the first Wednesday of every month to kind of set the tone for the month. And then we have, you know, management level, um, management level, you know, uh, that is helping kind of drive the the OKRs and the KPIs for the month and the, and the, and the quarter and the year. And, and then uh, just making sure that everyone has, you know, what they need to really succeed at their job um, and, and, and the role that they play and, and you know, giving praise and, and making sure that everyone feels like the value that they're providing to a company is, is really worth the squeeze. Um, I think that's the most challenging part about, you know, in general, building a business is continuing to, to make sure that everyone in the company um, has their say and, and feels like, you know, they're empowered to do their work um, and, and do it professionally. So, you know, I think that the system we've set up is really just to empower the people that are working here to, to do their job, be vocal and give feedback as soon as they can when things go wrong and, and fix whatever the holes are as fast as they can. Awesome. So um, in terms of uh, that kind of overreaching, uh, you know, going to an overreaching theme here of uh, what do you think your goals are for 2021? Like what as a, as a company, as, you know, personal goals, anything like that? I know that you have a, a little one. Any, any personal <laughs> or business goals that you're really shooting for for 2021? And, uh, you know, what do you, where do you see uh, the e-commerce market going um, in, in 2021? Yeah. Um... Also very good questions. Um, from a business standpoint, I think just continue the momentum we had from 2020 into 2021, you know, at, at the growth rate we have uh, continued to, you know, operate on that, on that growth trajectory. Um, and then, you know, personally, uh, you know, it's, I think it's just continue to, to be a good dad and, and be a good husband and, and good dog, a do good dog dad as well. And uh, hopefully, uh, get some new sense of normalcy as, as COVID, you know, comes down and be able to really uh, have my little girl meet the rest of her family. Cause she hasn't really been able to do that yet. That'd be a, a great thing to accomplish this year. Awesome. Yeah. The, the, the lack of travel is pretty brutal. My, uh, my dad still lives in Hawaii and they're the strictest. And so like trying yeah. to get a family of, of five out there um, <laughs> is, is, you know, not going to happen. So hopefully we'll get him to visit here soon. Um, the other thing they I love like to a, ask, they have like a two week mandatory. They do. Like you have to, you yeah. There? I guess you have to get a okay. test before you get on the airplane, when you get off the airplane, I, they're the strictest state in the entire country when it comes to COVID protocols and things like that. So, 
Um, so yeah, that's, that, that's been pretty brutal. Uh, whereas, you know, I live in a state where they're like, you're fine, go out and do what you want. You know? Well, I live in a state where they just, they just lifted the the mask ban. So I think, you know, it just depends on where you live same, and, and yeah, same and here. Whatever yeah, it is. Like, yeah, that actually went away. Uh, yeah. About a month ago now. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. And I'm, and I'm, I'm a data guy. So, you know, I'm going back and looking over all the data and there's some pretty interesting stuff there. I encourage everyone to do that. Um, but uh, I, the other thing I love is, you know, I'm always, you know, most entrepreneurs are this way. So I'm sure you're this way. You're always consuming new content in terms of books, audiobooks, podcasts, uh, you know, uh, business, uh, you know, uh, leaders, things like that. Uh, you know, we, before we started, you were talking about Clubhouse. Uh, anything else that you're kind of, you know, kind of dabbling into right now to to kind of level up in terms of uh, business or life? Um, I've been really fascinated with um, just the whole crypto space lately. Um, this whole NFT madness that's going on, I can't understand it, but it's just I can't take my eyes off of it. Like every day I see these uh, crazy things going on on Nifty Gateway and NBA Top Shot where they release these, you know, moments or they release these, um, you know, design collabs between some pretty cool artists and some pretty cool musicians and they sell for insane amounts of money. And, uh, and then the secondary market, they sell for even more. So it's, I, I don't know what's going on, um, but it's, it's pretty wild. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it is been interesting. I know that like every day I've been like pulling up my crypto account being like, Oh, 10 grand up today. Oh, 20 grand <laughs> down. Like it's just like this huge, like crazy yeah. roller coaster. Um, but it's fun once again too. Yeah. I used to, for a while there, I was day trading, um, as a hobby back when I was doing apps, like quite a few years ago and, uh, the data and the tools nowadays, it's almost like cheating. If you know what, you know, if you like know what to do, uh, that's yeah. why when with, with all the the um, you know the AMC and and GameStop and all that, I, I started <laughs> laughing because I'm like, so if you did a little more due diligence, you would have realized that like the quote unquote tools that people are using to cheat are available to everyone, and you just have to like go out and find them. You know, there's crypto bots, there's all these things that look at you know like hundreds of data points and can predict fairly accurately now when to buy and sell. Uh, and things like that. So um, it'll be interesting. I think as it gains more acceptance that there, people are going to kind of wake up to, to some of those tools and bots and, you know, uh, interesting ways of, you know, uh, exchanging between, uh, you know, crypto exchanges for the, you know, for the, uh, the arbitrage and stuff like that. It's, it's yeah. all kinds of fun stuff. It is a, it is a fun thing to dabble in. I agree for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. So let people know, Zach, where they can find you. Um, you know, you've talked to, about, uh, you know, about your company, so I'm pretty sure they, they know that, but, you know, website, email, LinkedIn, wherever you want people to connect with you. Yeah. Um, Clubhouse. Yeah, feel, <laughs> yeah, feel free. I got to start dabbling in Clubhouse, apparently. Um, yeah. Feel free, feel free to, <laughs> I've got one who's a very big promoter uh, with Amy and one who's kind of against it with Andy, which is funny. Nice. Well, nice no, I love it. It's just, I, once yeah. again, it's like, I, it's like so only so many hours in the day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if you have an idea, you can feel free to go to gemba.com. That's G E M B A H.com and fill out a form and someone from our team will be in touch with you. If you want to get in touch with me, feel free to look me up on LinkedIn. Uh, happy to chat with you about anything that you need. And um, yeah, looking forward to, to meeting, you know, some of your audience and hopefully helping you with some awesome products. 
Yeah. Thank you so much, Zach. Really appreciate you being on. And uh, if you need any daddy tips, um, you know, like I said, <laughs> I'm, I'm on version 3.0 right now. So um, I, I, can will, I will take you, you up on that. Uh, yeah. I, 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 uh, I had a buddy who had a, a kid about a year ago now and, uh, you know, I gave him some tips and he was like, man, that, uh, you know, I told him how, when we used to get up at night, you know, with the first kid, we turned the light on and, you know, they do all this thing. And then by the second kid, we're like, no, you get one of those salt lamps and you just put it as low as possible. So you can change the diaper. <laughs> like there's all these little things that when you, you know, yeah. that nobody tells you that when you finally get, you know, in, into your second or third kid that you're like, you know, you, you finally got the hacks, right. <laughs> just like, yeah, I'm, just I'm, like your I'm business, still, right. <laughs> I'm still very much in the MVP stage with the seven yeah. week old and learning as much as I possibly can. So, all right, we'll take, yeah, take it's, the, it's you can take the salt, the salt lamp tip as your first one, you know, go Perfect. buy one of those with that ones that have the dimmers, put it at the changing table. So when you get up at night to change, you keep the lights as dark as possible. Yep. Uh, the other great one is a yoga ball, right? You just bounce on a yoga ball um, at night when they can't sleep. And that, that's another pro tip there. So I know, I know my next two purchases. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Zach. Well, hopefully they help. Let me know, email me and, and let me know how that goes. Or if you have, oh, I'm going to send, I'm going to send you me bouncing on a, on a ball with that light on and I love at it. two in the morning. <laughs> I love it. I'll post it if you do. I promise. All right. I'm holding you to it. <laughs> All right. Hey, thank you so much, everyone who joined us live uh, in the Zoom meeting. We really love having you guys here to ask questions. Um, you know, that, that really makes our day to, to see that you guys want to join us. We really appreciate that. If you have not yet, if you're listening uh, on any of our social channels or on the podcast, please rate, review, subscribe. We really, really appreciate that, guys. Thank you so much. And if you want to join us, remember, it's 1 p.m. Pacific time every Tuesday. And we'll see you next time on the Seller Roundtable. Thanks, Zach. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at SellerRoundtable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, SellerSEO.com and AmazingAtHome.com.